Uh, you know what? The other thing I'll mention for the end of the I'll, the end of the end of the show because welcome everyone to episode <laughs> 175 of Longbox Heroes After Dark. Mm-hmm. Uh, before we get to the main event, and we're gonna stack this main event like an old Madison Square Garden house show. Oh, good. I was where, worried we weren't. Where the Hulkster would come on before intermission. Mm-hmm. So that so whatever would happen in the match, you'd be like, oh, man, I just saw Hulk Hogan. But right before they go to intermission, they tell you what next month's Hulk Hogan match is. So you can go and buy uh, tickets for next month. Oh, good. It was always like, man, Hogan was so lazy. You just want to get out of town early. It was like, no, that was the way they always did things. But anyway, I was lamenting to Todd on how rough it was traveling this weekend. So I had an interesting crew of people in my car, and I had to go an an extra half hour south from where I typically pick up the folks. Um, Now, granted, they're coming from all sorts of different areas as well. One guy's taking a bus from, like, Brooklyn. Another guy's being uh, coming across the bridge from New Jersey. And they decide to meet at this uh, bus stop area in Chinatown in downtown Philly. Mm-hmm. Which is, like I said, a half hour south from where I usually go, which is like King of Prussia Mall. That extra half hour going into Philly added an extra hour and a half onto my trip. Oh, good. There were blocks that were just closed off. Mm-hmm. There was a funeral procession going down the main street through downtown Philly. Mm-hmm. And I ended up with all the different blocks that were closed off. I ended up making a left onto the street that they were on two blocks away from where they were. Because mm-hmm. I couldn't get down the next block to make the right to make the ro- to make the right to make the right again to get to where they were. I could only make a left. So why didn't you have them walk? Okay. So what I did was I ended up pulling over and I called and I said, we're on the same street. This is the car that I have. You are walking to me because there's absolutely no way I can get to you. So that's what they did. But it put us like an hour and a half behind schedule. The shows always run late, as good as the Root Beer Wrestling shows are. They always run late. So we don't get on the road until super late. I have to go to uh, Lancaster, back into downtown Philly to drop off two guys. Well, one guy across the bridge to another bus stop, back across the bridge, back up here to scenic, beautiful downtown Wilkes-Barre, where I slept for three hours, because I did not sleep this entire time, Mm -hmm. slept for three hours, then drove one of the other guys back down to Philly, where he was supposed to have a booking, booking gets canceled, person he was supposed to get a ride back to New York with canceled on him, so now I've got to take him back to that same bus stop that I was just at, at 8 o'clock this past morning, now it's 8 o'clock at night. I did get uh, a delicious Tony Luke's cheesesteak uh, out of it, which was the only food I ate all day Saturday. Not a chicky and peenies? No. <laughs> Fuck chicky and peets. That's bullshit, that place. <laughs> Fuck that place. Oh, okay. I had, I had a, uh, I had a, uh, a steak and onion and mushroom sandwich, no cheese, and a chocolate milk. And that oh, was my, and a ch- that was my that was my dinner for no that was the only food I ate all day Saturday no breakfast you, no lunch just that I noticed you didn't tweet a lot over the weekend Ugh. were you too tired it's 
Todd, as, as difficult as you may think it is, it is difficult to tweet and drive at the same time. Don't tweet and That's drive. Right. I figured you were locked out of your words account. <laughs> hey, Todd, would you be surprised I was in a car full of wrestlers this weekend and words came up? <laughs> Shocking. Shocking. Oh. Your alter ego came up. Christ. I mean... The person you're not came up. That's what I meant to say. But the thing that I was most sad about, because we were running so late, like we got right to the building as door as doors were about to open, as did the, because, uh, you know, lately AIW has been bringing in like a named celebrity to do like the meet and greet thing beforehand. Mm-hmm. Uh, two shows ago, it was Tennille, uh, who was formerly Emma with the dancing. From World mm-hmm. Wrestling Entertainment, I don't know if you remember that. I do, I do. Wasn't she also a Terminator for a while? Yes. She had sunglasses on or something? I don't know. Uh, last show, prior to this, was Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. And he didn't even bring his real dragon. No, he did not bring his real dragon, but he did bring <laughs> the replica of the real Intercontinental title that he held, uh, that he won in that world-famous match with the Macho Man Randy Savage. So world-famous, I don't even remember. Right, and then this show was Double J Jeff Jarrett. That's J E double F J A double R E double T. All right, Jeff Jarrett. Wow, wow. And I wanted, and I wanted to get a mark picture of Jeff Jarrett, but it was like literally doors were opening, people were lining up. I had to get my shit together for the show. He came out and did his thing pre intermission, Mm -hmm. did a little bit more meet and greet during intermission, and then was like right out the door. Mm-hmm. Now, I want to discuss because you brought up Jeff Jarrett. It reminds me of something that every time I <laughs> double J, ev- we're going to talk time, about Dragnet here. I promise. Right, but this this is this was kind of just like I was like I should have said something when we recorded the the Death Totem episode of Legends of Tomorrow. Yeah, and and then we do that great. We do the only good uh, day hashtag that you do Man in Black Monday with me. All right. Um, and you mentioned that, like, oh, there's, and you way too much equate wrestling with Johnny Cash. That's all I'm going to say. Um, I got to stay but, on brand, Todd. I know you got to stay on brand. But you were talking about the guitar. I was talking about the guitar. I want right. that guitar. Go buy it for me. My birthday's coming up. And you're like, oh, I got one that has the totem in the hilt. Yes. And when we were discussing Legends Tomorrow, you kept calling where the totem was the hilt. And if you look up the word hilt, what you're, the word you're trying to think of is neck of the guitar. Listen, Todd. Wait, no. Wait, wait. Let me finish. And the reason I think you call it the hilt is because the hilt is where you hold the weapon. And you've seen one too many goddamn Jeff Jarrett promos <laughs> or honky-tonk goddamn promos where they're swinging guitars by the neck. So technically it is the goddamn hilt. When you play the guitar the way that those legends do, Todd... It may have been in my head because didn't they call it the hilt on the episodes of Legends of Tomorrow? Or am I, I mistaken? I think it was the, the neck. I think it's called the neck. But <laughs> like I said, you, you call it the hilt because these guys like to swing a, a balsa wood uh, guitar filled with baby powder at people. <laughs> now, see, you say that <laughs> to peel the curtain back a little bit. <laughs> right. The guy, right. Who, the guy who took the guitar shot from Double J. Mm-hmm. Um. When I saw the guitar that he had, I said to him, one, I go, no bag of baby powder in that, huh? And he goes, no. <laughs> Two, I go, hey, you make sure that's gimmicked? Is that a, is that a, is that a gimmick guitar? And he goes, yeah, I, I scored it pretty well. And I picked it up and I'm like, 
Oh boy! It like it was a legit guitar. It was not one of these breakaway ones that like just evaporate into dust. Right. Um. And again, let's just say, uh, Dan is a uh, Doctor Dan, uh, Doctor Daniel C. Rockingham, who took the guitar from Double J, uh, did a very good job of protecting himself while being hit with a real guitar. Did he put a World War II helmet on? No, he did not. Okay. Um, in all the pictures, it looks really well because the angle they got is, um, yeah, he did. Let's just say Dan is Dan is okay. Okay, good. I was worried about. Dan. I was Dan's a good guy. I like Dan a lot. Um, okay. But uh, yeah, so the double J thing, I was sad. Uh, hopefully, I get there in enough time next month to get a chance to at least shake the hand of the Godfather. A.K.A. Papa Shango. And then I can't announce the people that are there for May because they haven't been announced yet. Well, you'll tell me and anybody who wants to know could PayPal me. Right, exactly. That's the way things always work. Mm -hmm. So, Todd, let's get into it. Let's get into uh, episode three of the soon-to-be-named movie club something or other. Um... Inspired by discussion that we had privately with some of our friends on Facebook, mm -hmm. the film is the 1987 comedy Dragnet. Right. Directed by Tom, I guess you say it, Mankiewicz. Um, written by Dan Aykroyd, Alan Zwebel, and Tom Mankiewicz. With superstar cast, Dan Aykroyd as Sergeant Joe Friday. Tom Hanks as Detective Pep Strebeck, love that name. Christopher Plummer as Re Reverend Jonathan Worley. Harry Morgan as Bill Gannon, re reprising his role as Bill Gannon. Wait, I don't want to, you know. You had Alexandria Paul as the Virgin Connie Swale. Dun, and dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Dabney Coleman, who is an underrated actor, by the way. Okay. As Jerry Cesar. What? So I'll, I'll wait till you're done reading the cast list, and then we'll just talk about the cast. And then probably the 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 two biggest actors in the movie, Jack O'Halloran as Emil Muzz, and is it Lincoln Peterson as Granny Monday? No, who was? I, I can't, they don't have her in the thing here as uh, the lady who answers the door when they go looking for uh, Emil Muzz. Oh, that's, that's uh, Kathleen Freeman, Enid Borden. Yes, that's that's who it is. That's my two favorite characters, Emil and Eden, are the are, are the Enid are the best two characters. Okay. But Dabney Coleman, as you were saying. So as they're rolling the credits of the cast list, right? Mm -hmm. I f completely forgot <laughs> that Dabney Coleman was in this, playing like an amalgam of Larry Flint, Bob Guccione, and Hefner, mm -hmm. uh, with his magazine Bait. And he oh. was doing, like, some sort of weird southern accent with a lisp. I know, it's oh so great. Oh, my God. I was, I was like, this is fantastic. I loved every minute of it. But, yes, Daphne Coleman adds to everything that he's in. That's right. He never takes away. Right. Always he's, He adds, always adds. Never subtracts. That's... Now, Jack Holleran, I forgot. And then as I was looking over the information uh, about the movie, of course, doing my due diligence about the movie, as a young child, I never put together... That the great Emil Muzz was also, uh, <laughs> what's his face from Superman 2? None. Superman 2. Never put it together until just this watching of the film. 
but Joe, that's because he never spoke. He never said, uh, I'm going to take that S-Shield badge kisser. <laughs> and see, see the fire! <laughs> I see the fire! I see the fire! No, I'm not playing clips from the movie. That's me doing impersonations. Oh. All right, so this is the other thing that I need to mention. Mm-hmm. Todd, you mentioned Pep Strebeck. Right. You mentioned the Virgin Connie Swale. Dun, 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 dun. You mentioned right. Emil Muzz. Mm-hmm. You mentioned Sylvia Wiss. Mm-hmm. And you uh, you mentioned, uh, what's her face, uh, who we were just talking about a second ago, Enid Borden. Right. Todd, I want you to think to yourself, mm-hmm. can you name to me three character names from the Star Wars film Rogue One? Um. Okay, can you name me two? Okay, give me a second. Give me a second. Rogue One was um, that guy and then the other guy. Okay. And I don't know. I can't. Where I'm going with this, Todd, mm-hmm. is these people who wrote this movie, the aforementioned <laughs> Dan Aykroyd, and who did you mention was the other writer? Tom Mankiewicz, Tom, and there was another one. Uh, Alan Zweibel, as I Alan Zweibel, yes. So, they should have been given award for creating such long-lasting names. Mm-hmm. When you say K2SO, I say Gesundheit. When you say <laughs> Pep Strebeck, the world knows you're speaking of this movie. Well, Tom Hanks has a little bit to do with that. Well, okay, he, but you know, Emma, he brings, you, like Sylvia Wiss is a name. When I hear the name Sylvia, I think mm-hmm. Wiss, and I think of that scene in this movie. It all It's a trigger in my mind, Todd. Mm-hmm. So you're saying Dragnet triggers you? Dragnet triggers me in a good way, in a positive right. way. Because but I'm saying the names are so creative, they stick with you. That's right, because, but... I, and I agree, Pep Strebeck is a great name, but it is a name that could be lost to the ages if we didn't have that low-key, subtle acting of Tom Hanks in this movie. Oh, my goodness. And and the only reason I'm saying that is because it is subtle and low-key compared to the way he does Pep Strebeck in the City of Crime video. Because <laughs> he takes Pep from the movie and turns it up to ten in the video. Uh, again, you know, we had discussed before, uh, you know, one of the ways that this whole thing kind of came about was there was a discussion that it was going to be a whole bunch of, like, Roddy Dangerfield movies or something, right? Right, yeah. And then we weren't able to figure out, like, 12 that were enough to be able to cover for the year, you know? I think we had 11, and then there was, like, a weird Great Adventure or SeaWorld movie we couldn't find. Right. And that would have been the 12th. If we had found it, it would have been Dangerfield year. Right. I, I think there is a, if, you know, we can't do it now, of course, we're too far in, but to do a pre-Philadelphia career oh. of Tom Hanks. Bachelor Party is one of the greatest comedies ever made. Another very quotable, very <laughs> memorable film from my childhood. We're going to have a party with booze and guns and hookers and fire trucks. And that's one of the things, uh, who's the... Uh, Adrian Zemed is the second in that film. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That right. was more of a Zemed vehicle. And I think it That's was right. after, uh, you know, Zemed was just as big as a person in that as Hanks was. 
and I think we brought this up on our legendary episode back, I think it was two shows ago when we were on the other unnamed show that I won't mention, when we actually had it, we discussed this and had the name of the episode was Zemedheads. Right. No, that was one of these episodes. Oh, was it one of these? Yeah, yeah. Because I okay, see it I don't... come up on the spreadsheet all the time when I'm updating the spreadsheet. Oh, all right, this show. Then I thought it was one of the la- the old shows, but mm. anyway. No, no, it was this one. I'm trying to think what else there because there's Splash. There's these were all pre Philadelphia. Right. Okay. So pre Philadelphia. And again, I apologize. I just had the information in front of me. It defaulted to producer. I don't want to hear that nonsense. <laughs> Bullshit, right there. Right. Uh, now. This is okay. Well, we'll work it th- this way because this is you know things start to get a little whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so you got a league of their own, right. right? Joe versus the volcano, right? Turner and Hooch. Oh, that's a sad one. The Burbs. See, I don't think I ever saw the Burbs. Underrated classic. It's it's a really weird, quirky movie, right? Uh, Punchline, which is an underrated bad movie. Is that the one with? With uh, 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 Jackie Gleason? No. Um, you're thinking nothing? of Nothing in Common. That's what I'm thinking of. Yes. Right. Big, okay, big, we're starting to get a little bit whatever. As mentioned, think... uh, Nothing in Common, The Money Pit. Oh, I love The Money Pit. Classic. Uh, volunteers, I... eh, Man with the One Red Shoe. Yep. Bachelor Party, of course, Splash, and we would start things off. Now, granted, it's a TV movie, but Mazes and Monsters, Whoa. the Dungeons and Dragons movie that Tom Hanks was in. I remember ever, that was the that was the movie my mom had knew about that she didn't want me playing Dungeons and Dragons. Now that's but because uh, she saw a movie with that nice boy from Bosom Buddies in it. Yeah, she was like, "Why can't you be like that that Kip from Bosom Buddies?" <laughs> Oh, my goodness. Okay, so the names are fantastic in this movie. Um, and er- I would say an early uh, TV to movie adaptation. I think it has to be. I, I don't know what other ones would be earlier. You know what I mean? Now, the other thing that I want to say is, of course, when you look at this movie and it's a comedy and the source material, which was from some 50 or from some 30 years nearly prior um, imagine the outrage that there would be today if you took Dragnet, and there had never been a Dragnet movie since, and put this movie out as the film adaptation of that TV show. I was too young to realize if there was any outrage at the time. Uh, but I can't imagine I... people's heads must have been exploding. Mm-hmm. Oh. <laughs> So uh, tell everyone the plot of this film. So basically this is someone, it, what do they end up doing? Stealing a bunch of stuff from uh, from Dabney Coleman's character. And they try to like, I don't want to get it. You want to do it? Because I, I know I'm going to mess this up. All right. So. Sorry. Um, Joe Friday's grandson, played by Dan Aykroyd, his right. partner leaves to go to a goat farm. Which is the way I'm ending the podcast. Oh, you're going off to the goat farm? You're going to find out in a letter that I went off to a goat farm. Um, now, we're, we're really putting over how good Tom Hanks is in this movie, but mm-hmm. this is a great, both at the same time, understated and over-the-top comedic performance by Dan Aykroyd, 
when the chief comes up to him and says, uh, your partner's not going to be in today. And he says, 24 hour flu or tomorrow, 48. And <laughs> to this day kills me. So, uh, partner goes off to the goat farm. He gets assigned the new partner, Pep Strebeck. Now, usually we'll sit here and say, oh, Dan Aykroyd and Tom Hanks. We're giving these characters the respect that they deserve. Well, by calling you, them by their film names, not by their Christian names. Right. Well, and now are you going to mention when he shows up the wonderful wig that he has on? Well, okay. You cannot excuse the wig here or the wigs later in the film when they go undercover because currently he's undercover as part of the vice as like a homeless bum. But he's not mm -hmm. re like that's how he kind of let himself go. But he does sh uh, shape himself up into quick uh, Joe Friday esque shape in what, five minutes? Yes, because I actually the, did the 15. You know, we, get, we get the the narration by Joe Friday throughout most of the movie. That's right. He actually mentions the time, and it take it literally takes. I I, I went back and I rewound it. It takes Pep 14 minutes to get a haircut and a new suit. And <laughs> just completely revamp his look, and that's a great scene as well because it's like the cut to Pep looking like a mess, <laughs> yes. the cut to Joe talking. Talking about what he needs to look like, the cut back back to pre to Pep from the feet up with the Joe narration of the 14 minutes of the time elapsed. Magnifique. With him, with Pep holding out his his identification, <laughs> so he can match it to the picture. Okay, so they have to go to uh, Jerry Caesar's mansion because uh, there was an attack on one of his warehouses. Yep, and they, get... uh, they were trying to destroy a bunch of his copies of Bait Magazine, the, the Playboy <laughs> magazine of this universe, right? They stole them. They were the 25th anniversary Well, it, there's confusion because they're stealing them, but they're also destroying them. Well, they destroy everything in the... I thought they destroy everything in the, the warehouse besides that. I thought they took them, but anyway. Well, no, they, they again, he lights a bunch of them on fire. Remember, Emil Muzz takes the Molotov cocktail out and he lights a bunch of them on fire. Mm -hmm. So they didn't steal all of them, but they were destroying some of them, but stealing most, right? Right. So uh, Jerry Caesar is telling the cops, you know, you need to uh, recover my stolen property. He's kind of, you know... We're supposed to be being set up that he's the baddie of this film. He's a ne'er-do-well. He mm -hmm. runs a Playboy-esque empire. Uh, and, of course, here's the, there's two gags that take place during this where Pep knows all the bait mates by sight. <laughs> and their hobbies. And, like, and like their likes and dislikes. If you've ever seen a Playboy centerfold, I know most of our audience probably would never stoop to such a low thing of filth. To I read Playboy. them for the articles. They're more of a chair or wee man. Mm -hmm. Not we, W-E-E, -E, but anyway. Um, and then uh, he runs, as they're about to leave, they run into Sylvia Wiss, the original Batemate. And I have to come back to Sylvia Wiss here as well. Kind of the the begin the bookends of the movies, the narrations, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so Sylvia Wiss propositions Joe Friday in a very startling way. Mm -hmm. And again, <laughs> such a great scene. Where, great line. So great back and forth. Well, you know, she she disrobes, she shows her chest to Joe Friday. Joe compliments her on her chest, and she asks Joe if he wants to stick around for an early lunch. And mm -hmm. Pep's like, "Oh boy, I forgot my notebook back in the car. It's gonna take me at least 
ooh, 10, 15, 30 minutes to go find it. So he's about to leave, and Joe's like, thank you very much, Miss Wiss. Pep, let's go, or Strebeck, let's go find that missing notebook here. <laughs> That's so, such a straight man. It's and then fantastic. Tom has mugs for the camera for what seems like 20 minutes. <laughs> I, he has the best, like, faces slash spasms throughout this movie. I wish Tom Hanks still did that in his roles today. Oh, yeah. Oh, that would be great in fantastic. In, oh, just, like, just, just fantastic. Like, mugging to Wilson in Castaway, all these sort of things, right? Right. Uh, so they find out that left at the scene were these cards from this organization, Pagan, right? I want a pagan card oh so my bad. God. I want to be a member of pagan people against <laughs> goodness and normalcy. When that is revealed, I I lose my shit and, every time. And they hammered home like Joe says it like three times in a row. We're all over the place here. Mm-hmm. Um, but so uh, so uh, what happened? Oh, there's the theft. There's also the theft from the uh the zoo. Where right, they, they steal the bat. The python and the lion's mane that they leave in, I would say that this was animal abuse by the people who made this film, where they mm-hmm. affixed a fake mohawk to the lion. That is great. It's like, what do you say to the kids who have never seen a lion before and will probably never want to see one again after that? You say it'll grow back. It'll grow back, kids. Kids, Yay! it'll grow back. Yay! <laughs> Oh my goodness. So, uh, so now they have, and more pagan cards are found there, right? So pagans mm-hmm. obviously involved with all of this, but how? Unrelated <laughs> to all of this, we see, uh, uh, Reverend Worley and his thing, Mama, which was, well, well, I forget what Mama stands for. It's not as good as pagan, obviously. Uh, I forget what it stands for, but it was like moral song. I forget. Right. So he's the one who's looking to bring down. Uh, people like your Jerry Siege and so forth. He's in bed, not literally, of course, uh, with the police commissioner. So they're getting a little bit of the extra screws on them uh, from uh, the chief and the captain and everything else to get this case solved, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're getting a little bit more meeting Joe and Pep and their relationship together. Uh, you know, obviously Pep is a ladies' man. Joe is more straight-laced. Uh, mm-hmm. possibly, you know, uh, n- not really, I wouldn't say never been with a woman, but definitely that's not on his list of priorities. Right. And while all this is going on, a bunch of like department car- vehicles are being stolen too. Right. Police vehicles are being stolen, even though Pep left his keys in his car. Right. Well, they were getting, uh, Texas wieners. Right. Now, I, the other thing I want to say is very subtly, uh, I don't think this was a something that they did very much at the time. How while Pep, comic relief, ladies' man, all sorts of whatever, he's also, I guess, what I would assume the writers of this movie and you know the directors and everything else felt like the typical LA guy would be like. Right. He was different than the macho, like you know, meat eating. Right. They was right. Going, he was going for fruit salad. He had fruit salad while he's eating the hot dogs. Right. Pronouns, pals. Pep is having the fruit salad while Joe Friday is eating the, the Texas wieners. And I'm wearing my pronouns, pal shirt right now as we speak. Thanks, David. Yes. Um, so they find out that, um, oh, no, they're going to go undercover, right? Mm-hmm. To infiltrate the, 
the pagan stronghold. Well, first they go oh. looking for uh, Amal Muzz, don't they? Cause but how do they get on the trail of uh, Amal Muzz? I forget how they how, like he comes on their radar. He was. He is. Uh, isn't oh, he Dabney Coleman's uh, limo driver? He's yes. He's Dabney Coleman's limo driver. Right. So they find out from him because they go to Enid Borden where he was staying because <laughs> he stole her wedding dress. Right. Yes. Left the ta- now the other thing is. There's a weird thing where she mentions that he, the only thing that he left there besides the box of the pagan cards was a tape play, a tape player, right? Mm-hmm. So I was thinking that maybe like, I, like I obviously I, I remembered from being a kid that it didn't, but I'm like, oh maybe the tape player is going to come back in, like they're going to do something like detective work looking for a tape or whatever it is, but they just move right on, right? Well, she sold all that to get her money back for the rent, right? A tape player. A cassette recorder. She sold it back to get to make even on the rent. Well, to get something. I didn't say I even. guess. <laughs> so uh, they see uh, Emma Muzz, and there's a high-speed police chase. Now, this is the first time that I need to mention this, Todd. Mm-hmm. The stunt work in this film mm-hmm. is suspect. Wait, what? It's very clear to my untrained eye. When it's not Dan Aykroyd and uh, Tom Hanks in the car. I think you're fibbing. <laughs> I can't see it. Who are you? Some guy who could tell whether like whether it's the actor or the stuntman in an episode of Arrow? You should tweak the stuntman, the stunt coordinator. I'm just saying that the people who coordinated the stunts on this film, I'm glad that they're still working in Hollywood in the lucrative position of the wig work people on Legends of Tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And all I have to say is, during this car chase, has one of my favorite lines, look out, Muppets. Cracks me up every time. Now, that's the other thing. Does he say Muppets or Moppets? Because it he sounds says, like, like, so there's, like, every piece of dialogue from this moment, like, for this entire car chase is all ADR. It, filmed, it sounds like it was recorded in a different house with different <laughs> microphones. Like, nobody was in the same room together. Uh, it was It was terrible, but I loved it, right? Right. And then the thing where the Muppet, the one stuffed animal just gets stuck to the front of the car, and then once the chase is over, it falls off with a squeak. It is. That's that's classic right there. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So, uh, they get Emma Muzz, and they take him back to the station, uh, and they ask him if he wants anything, and he wants chewing gum, a Snickers bar, and, and his attorney. Is that what he says? I think he says, in your badge. Oh, in your badge, right. Yeah. Now, but... Oh, go ahead. I say the best part about that joke is the ending later when the when the interrogation's over. Is he, he, he Joe Friday literally comes back with a Snickers and some chewing gum? Right. <laughs> That's fed- him what he wanted. That's right. Now, okay. Now this is the only part of the movie that I have a problem with. All right, me too. But maybe your problem is different than mine. Go ahead. Okay. Well, it's because when they're there, like Joe Friday is. You know, his, his nephew of the original Joe Friday, who's like the straight lace man and he tries to be Joe Friday, blah, blah, blah. And when they do police brutality on Emil Muzz and he's fine with it and he kind of like smiles, I'm like, that is, that is so far out of like dragnet. Like, I understand it's a comedy, but the original Joe Friday would never stood for police brutality. Never. Right. And he like, like, he nods his head and smirks, like, approvingly, right? 
Right. And then when they need more answers to another question, the scene's almost over. He's like, maybe I should go get a Danish with these things. And it's like, he's going to let him put his balls in the drawer again. Okay. Now see, this is, this always confounded me as a child and even to this day, right? Mm -hmm. So they're at the desk and, uh, Essentially, we're led to believe that Pep Strebeck is going to slam Emil Muzz's balls in this drawer. Right. Okay. What are the logistics of this happening? Is the desk set up in a way that where he's <laughs> sitting, he just has to push the drawer in and it's going to automatically hit him in the balls? No. See, the way I always took it is I get it's 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 him saying his balls or anything. But I don't know if you know this. There, that used to be a thing in the in the in the old days where a cop would slam someone's hand in the desk. So I always figured that's what it was anyway. That was a le- like a legitimate slamming somebody's fingers in a desk to get them to talk in a desk drawer. I mean, so I figured he was just saying your balls, and then he ends up doing his. Hand. He doesn't actually he doesn't actually slam uh, his balls in the in the drawer. As far as I'm concerned. But he's doing something to him because we hear the screams of terror and Emil Muzz, who is a big, scary man. From Krypton. From Krypton. <laughs> when they threaten him with it again later, he's fearful and doesn't want it to happen again. Sure, because do you know how much it hurts to get your fingers caught in the drawer? But again, the logistics and the positioning that both the table, the drawer, Emil and his balls need to be in. I just can't picture it in my head. Somebody needs to draw me a diagram of how this happens. We'll talk to Tom at the shop if All he's right. there. <laughs> Tom, could you draw Nom getting his balls in a drawer? <laughs> By Pep Strebeck. No, no, yes. I'm not going to explain who that is. You should know who it is. <laughs> He'd probably be like, oh, you mean Tom Hanks? Right. Oh, from Dragnet, of course. Yeah, gotcha. Uh, so they get the information of where the big pagan or the big uh, pagan thing is going to be. So they go undercover, right? Mm-hmm. And Tom Hanks is undercover is subtle. He's got a mustache on. He's got a hairnet on. He's fine. <laughs> I want to. Well, see he's this. supposed to be. He's actually supposed to be Emil Muzz. Well, no, no, no. He's not supposed yeah. to be Emil Muzz. They. They have quick goat thinking, pun intended, when the guys pull them over because they're in Emil's car. They see mm-hmm. Emil's uh, driver's license because mm-hmm. it's not like uh, when the cops pulled them over initially and the, the fake cops are pagan guys as well. So when the cops pull them over, it's not like Tom Hanks immediately goes, oh, I'm one of you guys. I'm Emil Muzz. It's not until they see the thing of his license, recognize that it's Emil Muzz. How could you miss Emil Muzz? And Tom Hanks goes, oh, yeah, yeah, that's me. I'm Emil Muzz. I've been sick lately. That's fantastic. Okay. Uh, But Joe Friday, on the other hand, gets, like, the most elaborate thing you've ever seen in your life. A two-tone, three-foot-high, yellow and red mohawk. Mm-hmm. A whole Wig work. thing. Mm-hmm. Oh. <laughs> so this is how they're going to infiltrate. And like Joe, Joe Friday has like a, a voiceover on how their um their undercover department has like studied, and they know how these people all dress. So this is exactly how they all dress. Not yep. a single other person at the pagan festival looks anything similar to the way that Joe Friday is dressed. Yep, but you have to appreciate their crowd control methods, Joe. 
You do, right, he does have to appreciate their... Yes. He's also sad that they stole a school bus and Friday imagining 28 school children standing on a lone corner waiting for a bus that will never come. <laughs> and and one of the things that I keep forgetting about that is one of my fa- my favorite gags is that... It, and it was in the TV show. Joe Friday, uh, Jack Webb used to do this all the time, is when they'd go somewhere and they're like, and the narration would be like, and we were there to meet so and so. And they'd get, they'd walk in like the shot and then Joe Friday would point at like where, like who they had to talk to. And after a while, Pep just starts doing it too. <laughs> he's like, he's like, yes, over there. And it's throughout like the whole like movie is the, the two of them just pointing at shit. But, so Ugh. they get their goat leggings on. Ugh. They go to the festival. Get some party favors. Right, the guy, uh, the guy coming around <laughs> with the pills, and Tom Hanks, now first of all, I'm like, oh, that's a cute little character thing. Tom Hanks is a pill head, but little <laughs> did I know that this, this would pay off later, and be not one, but two <laughs> plot points in the film. <laughs> two fantastic plot points. Yeah. Oh, so. Uh, they go to where the big thing is, and it's like some sort of abandoned reservoir or something, and they have a giant sign, a giant, like, Pagantron with all these things on it. They have these giant banners. It's a whole production, Todd. Mm -hmm. And then the head pagan guy comes out, and he is, uh, they're about to do their virgin sacrifice, and... When he's doing the whole thing, and he's like, oh, and this bat to consecrate XYZ, and this lion's mane to represent whatever, whatever, and, you know, the snake that's here, and so on and so forth, and he goes, from Orange County, here we go! Completely out of character for the entire scene, but I love it! I know. He's so redneck at that point. Oh, my goodness. So they bring out uh, the Virgin Connie Swale in the wedding dress that Emil Maz stole, and, uh, Pep is like, I, I don't think, uh, Enid looked half as good as, you know, it's like, oh, that must be Enid's, uh, wedding dress. And this is when Joe initially becomes smitten with the Virgin Connie Swale. Yes. So they push her into the thing. We gotta go save her. Run, 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 run. Luckily, we're wearing these outfits so our stunt doubles can jump in. Wait, whoa, oh. whoa, time out. Those weren't the stunt doubles. Because I saw, it was the shot, they back up like they're going to run, Joe, and then they run, and then they have the camera in the pit, and it's it's Pep and Joe, a.k.a. Tom Hanks, and uh, Dan Aykroyd jumping actually into the water. I'm 100% sure of it. <sighs> I, no? I wouldn't bet on that one, Todd. Okay. So they're in there, the snake gets them. Now this snake... They said earlier that it was a, like, what, a 20-foot snake or a 30-foot snake? Something like that, yeah. This is a recreation of the trash compactor scene from Star Wars. <laughs> so Which Joe... has my favorite dragnet line of all time. In okay. It. Yeah. It's just when they, they're in there and the snake attacks, and he's like, are you, you know, I, I'm Connie Swell, Joe Friday's like this, and he's like, she's a virgin or whatever, and, he, and just... Tom Hanks just goes, and her favorite color is blue. (laughs) I'm about to get eaten by a goddamn snake here. But the best is when he goes, he goes, hey guys, cut. I found the snake. And it's like all around. (laughs) And he's got the mustache half hanging off. Right. So uh, the way they get away from the snake is uh, Pep gets some of the pills that he took that I think Mm -hmm. were probably leftover props from Bachelor Party. 
I do believe, yes, he brought them with him. Dumps them in the snake's mouth, closes the snake's mouth shut, and kind of gives him a little shake so the pills all go down. And then you Mm -hmm. see the snake's eyes roll back into its head, the tail go up, right? the snake head go down, the tail go down, and then all the pagan people finally figure out what's going on, that these guys are obviously, you know, not with the group, people against goodness and normalcy. And they get out, so they don't let them get to the tunnel, they get to the tunnel, they're still in their full gimmicks of their undercover, whatever, they come out, and uh, then all the pagans are there, and Joe starts to read them their rights. Now, as they're doing the cut, and this is just me, coming out of the tunnel, Mm -hmm. the pagan people coming up, cut from behind them, cut from in front of them, cut from behind them again. There are out-of-place shots. Like, the first shot that they show, Joe is already holding up his badge. As the pagan people approach, we cut back to Joe and Pep. Joe doesn't have his badge out. Joe then pulls his badge out, and then we cut to the reverse shot of him already having the badge up. Oh, my God. Lazy filmmaking. Shame, shame. Right. But I do want to go back to, now that I think about it, is that there are two movies... (laughs) Where Tom Hanks drugs an animal. Well, bachelor party and this. Right. I want to know if there's more. Like, if I go back through his filmography, if that's like a running theme, that he drugs animals. How many movies <laughs> does Tom Hanks drug an animal? Well, I don't think he directly drugged the donkey. Mm-hmm. No, unfortunately... Uh, that doesn't come up in Go Go uh, Duck Duck Go. No, Duck Duck Go does not bring that up immediately. <laughs> Sadly. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, so they get out, and Joe's reading them the rights, and he's listing off all the things that they did, and Pep's like, screw this. Takes out his gun and just starts shooting in the air. Joe takes out his gun. They're shooting in the air. They're fighting with some people. They get a cattle prod, whatever it is. They find their car. They get back. They bring the Virgin Connie Swill back to her home. They tell her she's going to be okay, but they'll send someone over in the morning. They go back to the chief's thing. Now, this is a scene. uh, Okay, so we'll get to this and another scene a little bit later on. So this is a very prolonged scene with voiceover Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. of them pantomiming what happened (laughs) at the pagan thing. Even with an extra prolonged version of them doing the wacky goat dance. Still in their full undercover gear, still with the goat leggings on, right? Right. Gunga dunga 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 dunga. The chief doesn't believe them. Pep reaches into his pocket to pull something. He thinks that they were just out having a bender or something, right? Right. Pep reaches into his pocket to give something to the chief, and the pills just all go flying everywhere. (laughs) And the chief, being real hip to what the kids are taking, the uppers, the downers, the blueies, and all these things. The balls. Right. So, he He asks him if he has hay fever. (laughs) (laughs) You have hay fever? He le- like, the scene just kind of ends from there. Well, no, he says we have to get the, 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 the chief of police to go up to the mountain to see the, the thing. And he's like, do you know what time it is? It's 3 in the morning. Right, right. So they get the oh. chief of police up there. They're still in their full gimmicks. Mm-hmm. They don't have time to change out of these sopping wet goat leggings that they're wearing. <laughs> right. 
He's like, listen, guys, we paid for these costumes. We're going to wear them as much as we can, okay? Mm-hmm. And they get there, and in a very short time, this entire scene that we saw before is completely taken down without a trace of the stolen cars, the multiple pigs that were being barbecued, the the giant pig in Tron. All of it's gone, Todd. <laughs> That's right, and, it, and even the, the the pits empty. He's like, "This is where we dove in." He's like doing the over exaggerating acting, right, <laughs> to save the Virgin Connie Swale. Oh, and we also forgot during the course of things, while they're trying to escape, the head pagan guy tries to get his mitts on Connie Swale. She knocks off his goat mask, and mm-hmm. we and Connie Swale, the Virgin Connie Swale, my apologies, say and see that it's Reverend Worley. Mm-hmm. But he lets it linger far too long, and then does it very half-heartedly, like, like Dracula covered himself with a cape as he <laughs> runs away. Home, I have a no-hole. <laughs> so, the next morning, Chief of Police is upset because she thinks Pep and Joe are full of shit, whatever it is. I don't know why they wouldn't just have Connie Swale testify that she was kidnapped... I don't know either. That's a. I don't know how Emil Moss is back on the streets again. Well, that's because we find out later. I always took it that that somebody was in cahoots with the with uh, the with the the pagan guy, right? Because we find out later that the uh, the the chief of police is in is in cahoots. But while this is all going on, we also forgot that when they stole the snake, they stole the wedding dress. They saw they also stole poison gas. Which is important oh, later on in the movie. Right, they stole two tankers of of gas separately, no problem. But mm-hmm. when mixed in the right quantities, mm-hmm. it's deadly and odorless. Right, and that, where would you mix up something like that? A milk factory. Right, a milk factory. Right. Uh, so they bring. There's a great. Uh, there's a great scene here where uh, Joe brings the Virgin Connie Swale to the police station. She's going through all the mug shots. To see if she can recognize the face of the guy who was the lead of the pagan whatevers, right? So she goes through this whole book, doesn't recognize anyone, says, all right, Miss Swell, we'll get you home. Puts the book down. As Joe's putting her away, he puts his magazine down, open on the page that he was reading, which is a full black and white glossy picture of Reverend Worley. Mm -hmm. And then we get the dun, 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 if we didn't catch it already. Right. So only Connie just said, oh, I forgot my purse, and goes back. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, there he is right there. The movie could have been like 40 minutes short. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, we're all over the place here. So now they decide these chemicals are being uh, mixed at this milk factory. Well, next door to it, uh, what is it, Alphonse and D'Amato <laughs> Catering yes. Company? Which pops up throughout the movie. Which the is a front, which is where the things are really being mixed on the side entrance to the milk factory. Even though they come through with a tank and destroy the entire milk factory and it's a giant mess. And now wait, wasn't it be... Now wait, now this is another thing. Before that, there's the scene where Joe Friday has to wait for Pep to arrive. And Joe is accosted by 40-year-old teenagers. <laughs> yep. Now, mm-hmm. I'll say this, this the, I understand why this scene in here, it was to so, show that Joe is a badass, and he can handle things on his own, but we've already seen a scene earlier where they're escaping the pagan thing, where Joe handles his shit already. 
We didn't need the no, extra is... scene of Joe doing it by himself. Dan Aykroyd's stunt double. My apologies. <laughs> what? <laughs> Beat up three 40-year-old teenagers. Mm-hmm. Now, again, I have no problem with the pacing of this film, but I think that this scene could have been eliminated altogether. No. And the scene where they're in the commissioner's office with the voiceover and the prolonged thing of them doing the gunga 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 dance. Mm-hmm. Just to get the movie, because the movie's about an hour 40 and, you know, hour 42 or something like that, right? Stop it. Just, this is to get it to a nice trim, closer to 90 minutes, which is what a comedy should be. You pull that scene out. You release your Blu-ray with your director's commentary or this alongside of it. You put those scenes in there. You get, you know, maybe uh, you get it like a meme. You know, the kids like memes of a GIF of something just on a loop of them doing the gunga 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 dance. Mm-hmm. And then it's like upload this to your Instagram or your Snapchitters or whatever the kids are using these days. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, uh, we find out that every, like all the baddies more or less are playing each other. Dabney Coleman's character, Jerry Caesar, is kind of being played uh, both sides by the mayor and by Reverend Worley. Reverend Worley is playing the mayor and the police commissioner, and he's kind of, you know, the, the he's the big bad of it all, right? Mm-hmm. And he says at one of his fundraisers that Jerry Caesar has said he is going to donate a million dollars. To Mama, which is whatever the hell his thing is. Right. And then he does this without getting Jerry's okay, but it's a way to entrap Jerry to show up at this fundraiser to get everyone together so he can release the gas and kill everyone. Right, because the plan is he's going to team up fake with Jerry Caesar, and what he's going to do is he's going to let him have his smut. He's going to be the moral authority, and they're going to fight, but it's going to be a fake fight. He's like, I'll make my money off donations, and you'll make your money off your smut, and the two of us can feed off this forever, but he's really going to turn on Jerry Caesar. It's a brilliant plan. It's 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 literally a lethal weapon movie plan. Right. So now we get a little bit of... Pep feels that he and Joe should be closer since they've been working together. He doesn't even know what Joe does in his off time, so he decides to follow Joe. And I want to mention this, because to me, this is a huge deal, okay? So Pep follows Joe to this house, and there's nothing really untoward about the house that he shows up at. But then Pep goes into an extended diatribe. That he feels as though Joe is Freddy Krueger, mentions Nightmare on Elm Street by name, mentions the the, the Freddy Krueger glove, and so on and so forth. Like, this is how big the Nightmare on Elm Street movies were. Like, this little studio, uh, new line at the time. You have to remember, only two of the Nightmare on Elm Street movies had come out. The third one was currently in production to be released later on this same year of 1987 to it get such a nod in this film by the way mama stood for for moral advanced movement of america okay thank you i knew it was something simple i was trying to look it up and i hoped one of us would during one of the diatribes that one of the other were going on Mm -hmm. so it turns out another great pun here uh (laughs) that joe is taking his grandmother out for her birthday out to eat Mm-hmm. And uh, Pep goes, oh, nice to meet you, Grandma Friday. And her last name is Monday. <laughs> yep. It's his maternal grandmother. Last name's Monday. <laughs> oh. 
Now, if this was a movie made in current day and age, we would have met, like, the entire extended Joe Friday family where everyone has a last name that's a different day of the week. Right. Meet the clumps. (laughs) Ugh. So, uh, Joe was apprehensive about this because they were already meeting somebody else out for dinner, and it turns out to be the Virgin Connie Swale. So it's the four of them out for dinner, and also at the Brown Derby, uh, which is Grandma Monday's favorite restaurant. They see uh, Chief Gannon, the commissioner, and uh, Reverend Worley show up. Virgin Connie Swale sees this. She freaks out because that's the guy that was under the goat mask. And uh, I don't want to say trusting. I don't want to say blinded by love. Whatever it is, Joe immediately says, I'm going to stake my entire reputation that this woman, who I've only known for the course of two days, but I'm completely smitten with, I'm going to go and accost this Reverend Worley, the head of MAMA, the Moral Advanced Movement of America, in the men's room of the Brown Derby, and arrest him for the crimes committed by pagan people against goodness and normalcy. (laughs) Yes. And of course, no one believes Joe. I don't know why Connie Swill just doesn't speak up. Like, are you willing to testify that this man did this? Yes. All right. Let's at least take him in. Because this woman, obviously a good and pure person because she's a virgin, testifies that this guy is whatever. Now the onus is going to be on Reverend Worley to prove that it wasn't him. Instead of just saying, like, I'm a reverend, you can't, you have to believe me. No problem, Joe, you're off the force. Sure, because people in positions of power just never don't get arrested. Right. It happens a lot, Joe. So Joe's off the force. It's up to Pep now to take over things. Uh, of the investigation and the narration of the film. And his half-assed, uh, but full-on version of Joe Friday is great as he slides into it and then realizes each time that he slid into, like, a little bit of Joe Friday is great. When he yells at so, the rookie for having the shabby hairdo, which would have been a great place for an Adrian Zemed cameo. I'm just saying. Oh, Going back and recasting great. this already fantastic film. Oh, if they do, uh, hopefully they'll do it like uh, Lucas with the Star Wars movies. <laughs> they'll just digitally put Zemed in right <laughs> The expanded pre-Philadelphia Hanksiverse. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right, so uh, one of the other things that they found, because Emil Muzz, of course, is still out, you know, just committing crimes in the name <laughs> of pagan people against goodness and normalcy. One of the yes. things that they found in Emil's apartment uh, now, first, now, Emil's out of this apartment. I'm concerned as to where Emil is living now. Mm-hmm. Uh, is he just homeless? What's going on? But anyway, it was a Polaroid of two girls, right? Mm-hmm. And from looking at this, Pep is able to detect that they're at Muscle Beach. So obviously that's that must be where Emil Muzz is. Of course he is. Goes get the drop on Emil Muzz to get more information about what the next move of Pagan is. This time he doesn't have a drawer, he has a gun. Right, he has a gun while Emil Muzz is deadlifting weights. But mm-hmm. he's the only guy uh, at Muscle Beach who is not dressed like a Muscle Beach person. His body is completely covered. <laughs> That's right. It's because he has that Kryptonian physique. Right. So uh, he tells Joe what the plan is. Again, as we had mentioned, that Whirly's thing is to get everyone together at Caesar's place. When everyone that he wants off the table is there, Worley's going to get the money, that million-dollar check. 
He's going to make off with it. They're going to pump the gas in, and they're going to kill everyone there, and Whirly is going to get away scot-free. Joe wants to help, but of course he can't, because he's just a civilian at this point. And uh, Pep attempts to uh, get in there. He poses one of the catering people, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. No, so they, so he, he actually teams up with Joe and tells him you can't come in, like you said, because uh, he uh, he goes off on his own. He gets in there, and he starts running around and finds out that they're going to uh, put pump the gas in. So he shuts down the, the gas pump by, by getting into the truck with the controller and knocking that guy out. But then he ends up uh, uh, lighting – they bring all the bait magazines that they were going to use, and they were going to pretend it was Pagan and light them on fire and everything to, to cover shit up. Um, I forget how the cops get called. Did oh, did Joe call them? That's what I'm trying to look. I'm trying to remember because this is where I get a little bit. Oh no, because Joe Joe got kidnapped. Oh, that's right. And and uh, Kip uh, Tom Hanks had to free him. Right, because they he's giving um, after the dinner. Uh, Pep gives Grammy Monday a ride home. Uh, Joe gives uh, Virgin Chris Will a ride home. Emma Muzz gets the drop on them, and they're now missing. That's right, because uh, Non flips the car over. Right. Right. And that's where he goes, and he figures out that, that Friday's missing, and he goes, like, well, I have to find him. So he goes to find Muzz, finds him on the beach, finds out where he is, and goes and frees him, realizing that uh, – Christopher Plummer's character, the priest, has the Virgin Connie Swale and what they're going to do. So he goes up to the house. Um, I think they call for backup along the way. And he's like, you can't come in with me. So they go in. And that's when the cops show up. And already the priest has left to go uh, leave because he knows the jig is up, that uh, somebody has, has ratted him out. And the, the cops show up and we get in a firefight. Right, and it's another use of the tank that mm-hmm. busts things up. Uh, they get the drop on Emil Muzz one more time. Uh, everyone is safe, but Reverend Worley has gotten away. Chief Gannon uh, didn't have the heart to turn in Joe's badge. He still has that, gives Joe's badge. Joe's back in the forest. And then we get a prolonged scene of Joe racing to the airport where, or to follow Reverend Worley. And it's some crazy driving out of that Joe Friday after he had just several times in the course of the film chastised Pep for being a bad driver. Right. But he tells him to think of Christmas. It'll help. Right. Which is uh, great. Right. So they get to the airport too late. Reverend Worley flies away in his private plane. He abandons the police commissioner there. Um, thinks he gets a quick getaway to Acapulco, but of course an LAPD fighter jet co-piloted by Joe Friday. I'm in control. Nobody knows when it's their turn. Nobody knows it's supposed to be clockwise. Point at them and stop down. Pointing at them. Pull it over. Time to go. That movement right there is my technique. That's right. And the thing I learned from that scene is that the LAPD has F-16s on the payroll. Of course. I was just, I was, I was just, to me, it was just great. It even has the, like, the, because the, now the prop guy, I don't think it was a prop, I think it's actually a, a LAPD F-16, has the, the, the cherry light in it. It's fantastic. Because, oh. you know, you, you got to notice that. Or it has to protect, it has some really good to protect and serve Patooey stickers on the side. <laughs> 
So oh, great stuff. So we see like from the classic end of the dragnet where the guy gets busted and they talk about how uh Reverend Worley is going to be con- serving 47 consecutive 99 year sentences. Mm-hmm. And he said the narrator says which means he'll be eligible for parole in seven years. Now, I also <laughs> want to mention this because this is a different narrator than we've seen from Joe or we've seen from Pep. At the beginning of the movie, he says, Your attention, please. The story you're about to see is true. The names have been changed to protect the innocent. For example, George Baker is now called Sylvia Wiss. <laughs> so that over that. Uh, narration and this narration, I think we're supposed to be jokes tacked on at the end because they're <laughs> like, okay, the one at the end, it's supposed to be like, ah ha ha, a rib on our pe- the penal system, how he commits all these horrible crimes, but he's still able to get out of jail very quickly. But the one at the beginning of George Baker is now called Sylvia Wiss. Are we to believe that George Baker was originally the playmate of the month and the fact that this was a true story? Okay. You don't, did you watch Dragnet back in the day? Yes. Okay. Every episode started out with the narrator saying blah, 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 blah. And the names have been changed to protect the innocent. So they tack on that joke. That was the beginning of every Dragnet episode. And then at the end of every Dragnet episode, the announcer would go and so and so was convicted of a crime. Right. I get that. I get that. So that, that's all they're doing. They just tack two little jokes on it to make it, because I don't know if you know this, it's not a drama like it was on TV. It's a comedy. I, I, but I think the fact of them saying that such a, you know, George Baker is now Sylvia Wiss, mm-hmm. I think that could have been a better joke, a better crafted joke, I think. Oh, it could have been a better joke. Right. But I really think you're over you're overthinking it. That's all. Right. Which is not a flaw you have at all. No. So... Everything's back to normal. Joe's there Ooh. waiting for Pep. Of course, he's late. Motorcycle girl pulls up. Mm-hmm. Uh, he says, of course, I'm going to have to see you later on tonight because I'm wearing your underwear, which is uh, to show that the Pep Streetback character is, as the kids say, woke. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if you're aware of woke, Todd. I, I am. Not to say that you, Todd, are woke, but the phrasing woke. Yes, I've heard of the woke. The woking dead. And then, oh, boy. And then, Todd, I'm going to let you, <laughs> since this was your pick, right. I'm going to let you close out how the movie ends. Right. So, basically, he says, like, oh, you're you're running, you know, we've had a rough night. He's like, because he yawns, and he's like, he's like, I, and he makes fun of, like, what somebody like Joe Friday do, something innocent. And, and he's, he's like, no, I spent the night, uh, I had a lovely evening with Connie Swale. And he says, wait. And Pep's like, wait, not the virgin Connie Swale? He goes, oh, and you that, mean you mean the virgin Connie Swale? And that's when, <laughs> you know, we have the camera angle over Pep's shoulder. And Dan Aykroyd turns with the dun, 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 and the eyebrow goes up. And that's when <laughs> Pep Strebeck sells it like he's been shot with a shotgun. <laughs> He just like whoa, 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 oh my god! Ah. So like all that like wacky, uh, you know, shaking, convulsing that we talk about that Tom Hanks does in his comedy. This is it's all come to this. This is the climax of Tom Hanks acting in this movie. Oh, I love it! I love it. So then we get the close of the movie with the rap song that had a video uh, with it as well. So good. 
So, Todd, so, I guess, what's the verdict on this film? Does it hold up? What, what, what are we doing here? It still holds... It, it holds up to me because I think people legitimately forget what a comedy genius Tom Hanks was because he's gone on to like have all those Oscars and stuff like that. Dan Aykroyd was really good until he was, you know, what would selling vodka and well, what is it? Catching UFO people or something. I forget. Right. Um, he thinks UFOs are real. Right. And, I'm not uh, saying based, based on the events of nine 11, he understands why uh, the aliens do not want to have any contact with us. I get it. I totally understand. That. I'm with, but, I'm with Dan Aykroyd in this instance. But he also gave some of this, his crystal skull vodka for Dan, uh, for Larry King to try, and it almost killed Larry King. Oh boy! Um, but I would say that we're starting to get in on the end of the truly best part of Dan Aykroyd's career, and like the 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 meat of Tom Hanks' career, and it's still to me it still holds up. And I was always uh, like I said, I was a I could used to be able to do the Nick at Night. The '60s dragnets, like with the hippies and the freaks and the pill poppers, I there was only like I think like thirty or forty whole episodes of that, but they would just run it, and I would watch them every night on Nick at Night, and can almost do them word for word back in the day. And when I saw this, I was I, I was the guy who would be upset with the dragnet remake and doing a comedy, but I loved it, and I still think it's as fascinating as it as it was back then. A piece de resistance, Joe. Uh, 100% movie holds up outside of the few nitpicks that I had here just to kind of streamline the movie a little bit. Um, I take the piss out of the stunt work in this film because it's the 80s and I love it. It's so great to see movies that are still like this instead of them just like CGIing Vin Diesel's face onto like whatever the hell it is, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, I like this because it makes the film feel more real. Makes it feel more comedy-like anyway. Right. And uh, it is, to to date, of the soon-to-be-named movie whatevers, uh, this is the best to date, and <laughs> oh. it is going to be tough to follow this. Oh. This is the benchmark. I don't know. I think this is the second best movie that we've had, but that's well, all I'm saying. I didn't think you like Body Slam that much, Todd. That's great here. <laughs> I'm, glad you, I'm sure you've watched it dozens of times since, and have probably right. come around on it quite a bit. <laughs> and personally, I'm sad that we couldn't get Tom Hanks or Dan Aykroyd on the show. Huh, let me see. Did they tweet at us since? <laughs> no. no. But but now what I think would have been a great running gag was if we literally tried to get Clint Eastwood for the first episode. <laughs> I'm almost certain that we could have gotten, uh, what's his face? Face Man? Face Man to carry on our Body <laughs> Slam episode. See, that would have been great. It's like if every episode we're like, hey, face man, we're going to discuss your 1986, uh, maybe 87 classic body slam. And, you know, and I guarantee we could have got somebody at some point. Right. We'll have to try harder next time. That's right. And we have over 400 listeners, Joe. Right. Uh, we have more than that, Todd. Come on, don't sell a shit. Well, I was just going by the after darks. I don't want to give a give too much away. Okay. So, um, to close this out, of course, we're gonna you know we're gonna do this uh, uh, next month. Of course, it's my pick. Uh, Todd ended up burning one of my movies, which is okay because this was a fantastic walk down memory lane. Uh, to watch one of my favorite movies of all time still holds up, and I love it. It was a fantastic woe 
Coke down memory lane. <laughs> oh boy. Um, so I just want to, uh, because Todd had asked before we started beginning, uh, to catch Todd up on the events of the cat that's in the house. Mm-hmm. So, uh, while I was gone driving all around God's creation, Philadelphia, all day Saturday, uh, April and April went to go pick up the cat and bring the cat home. Now, you can understand this is a six-month-old tiny little cat, uh, being driven in a car for like an hour and a half. Uh, where, you know, it possibly before had been feral, it had just recently gotten shots and fixed, and now it's being whisked away to this place. <laughs> and, I'll, you know, and the cat was scared, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm not home, and April's updating me on what's going on. The cat was hiding under a little entertainment center where we have our TV and everything is. And then apparently at one point in between that conversation and me getting home, the cat ran down into our basement mm-hmm. where it hid for three days. Oh, boy. And April didn't know what to do. Asa didn't know what to do. Todd? Mm-hmm. They didn't even know the cat where the cat was. Did the cat escape? Is the cat dead? What's going on? <laughs> so, leave it to me, the person who wanted the cat the most... <laughs> to figure out what was going on. Right. So, uh, the cat's litter box is downstairs, but the food is upstairs. Cat's afraid to come upstairs. But let's take the food downstairs, okay? So at least it has something to eat. If we see that the cat goes to the bathroom in the litter box, we know the cat's eating, we know the cat's down here. Okay. Our, our basement, my basement's a mess. There's all these, like, little, like here's the room where, like, the gas gauges are. Here's the, like, here's the room where, like, this little tiny, like, makeshift room where, like, all the fuses are. Here's this cedar closet that nobody uses. Here's all this stuff piled up. And then there's, like, another part where, like, the washer, the dryer, uh, you know, our old heating system, big, two giant oil containers. So there's tons of places for a tiny little cat to hide, right? Mm-hmm. Put the food downstairs. Cat eats. Cat goes to the bathroom in the litter box. Okay, cat's down here. I say to April, let's get flour, not my Spectrox, flour, and sprinkle it on the ground around where the litter box and the food are. You're cat, Batman. I Listen, I am Batman. The cat will come over, get the flour on its paws, it'll walk around, we'll see where the cat is, narrowing down where the cat is going. So within like minutes of us doing this, we come upstairs, get whatever, whatever, I look downstairs, and there's paw prints all over the place, right? Mm-hmm. Like, okay, so I see the cat's going this way, see the cat's going this way. Let's put flour on those paths, right? So we can extend to see if we can get further to where the cat is, okay? We do, and then while we go to sleep, we see that the cat had, had come upstairs while we were sleeping. Oh. So, so we know the cat's here, we know the cat's snooping around, we know whatever it is. So now, I go, all right. We know the cat's not afraid to come upstairs when nobody's home. We're bringing its food upstairs. If it wants its food, it has to come to the top of the steps in the hopes that eventually we'll catch it. Mm -hmm. Today, when my wife came home from work, as we're recording this, cat came upstairs. She got the cat. So now, cat is lost basement privileges. Every door upstairs is closed, except for the bathroom where its litter box is. And it can go in there, do its business, whatever it is. Uh, but now it's just a fact that now after three days of hiding in the goddamn basement, 
Uh, we can spend that time of getting the cat acclimated to being upstairs, being around people. And Todd, I know you might be surprised by this, but the cat's afraid of me. What? <laughs> A big, giant, loud, lumbering monster. <laughs> right. So how is Selena now? Is is she good? Selena? Yeah, isn't that what the no, name Tortellini. of the cat? Tortellini. Oh, my Tortellini. God. Because it's full of something? No, it wasn't. We didn't. We didn't name the cat. It was um, named by other people. That's ridiculous. You should, by law, you should be able to name your own cat. Mm-hmm. What eh. would you have named the cat? <laughs> Get out of my house! <laughs> Get out of my house! <sighs> That's what I would have named the cat. Anyway, uh, I'm a horrible person, but uh, the cat is upstairs. Hmm. But. Now you literally have stepped on Spectrox. Mm-hmm. Literally stepped on by a cat. <laughs> That's right. Ugh. And that was the flower, flower I was going to mix with the Spectrox that I was selling. Mm. Well, I have so many... Uh, I'm not even going to just... Let's just move on. Well, I don't think there's anything else on this After Dark. Now we have to record the other damn show. That's right. Was there anything else we wanted to add about Dragnet other than it was awesome and you should seek it out? Uh, no, I think we I think we nailed it good. Right. We nailed it good. <laughs> oh, my goodness. All right, everyone. Thank you very much for listening to uh, Longbox Heroes After Dark, the uh, newly named movie club, Roman numeral number three, Dragnet. Uh, next month we'll have a movie of equal or hopefully greater value, at least in my mind and hopefully in your mind as well. Uh, and, uh, yeah, longboxheroes.com, soon to be named network.com, soon to be named network. Uh, tumblr.com. And, uh, again, thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you next week. <laughs>